everybody, and, and welcome to a, uh, a very uh, unique, uh, a very special Seven Innings podcast, uh, one that we all hoped we would never have uh, because we're not talking about games uh, that we watched last weekend. We're not talking about games that will be played next weekend, and we, for the first time in 39 years, we we are no longer on the road to the Women's College World Series, and we, as a uh, softball family at ESPN, are, are as stunned as all of you are. And we thought, well, this is the best way for all of us to come together and, and kind of share some thoughts and share some moments and share some time together and uh, hopefully make the social distance uh, a little bit closer as we continue to make it as safe as possible. Beth Mowens, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Jenny Dalton-Hill, uh, coming up on the program, Amanda Scarborough. Caleb Bro, Jen Schroeder, we have uh, Buzz and J-Mac and, uh, and, and Jersey Meg is with us as well. We're, we're going to talk, you know, what's on, what's on our mind, what's in our hearts right now and, uh, try and, and share with, with all of you some of the same sentiments that you might be having out there missing the game that we love so much and, and trying to keep our heads up and, and, uh, keep moving forward with, with positive thoughts and positive energy and, and hopeful that the quicker we get through this, the quicker that we can restart uh, playing the game. So, uh, first of all, thoughts. Uh, we'll start out with you, Holly Rowe, and just kind of, you know, the world changed really overnight. I think uh, Rudy Gobert and Tom Hanks are, are the two names that come to mind, and, and how quickly we were we went from talking about the men's and women's basketball tournaments to talking about how how long we would be without sports. Well, it's been a very surreal few days. I was actually on the court as teams were starting to warm up for the quarterfinals of the Big 12 basketball tournament. And Texas Tech and Texas were on the floor warming up and officials came and asked them to leave the floor. And at that moment, I knew that basketball was in jeopardy, but it never crossed my mind that softball would also be in jeopardy because our championships are in May and June. And I thought that we would have time to get our arms around this and figure out what's happening with this um, worldwide tragedy and, and real pandemic. And so I, I guess I never, it didn't occur to me at that time that softball was in jeopardy. And so when that came out so quickly that the world series was camp canceled, I was just gutted. Like I started crying. I'm, I hope I don't cry right now, but this has been our life and it's really tough. I mean, life goes on and softball's just fun, but, um, this is more than just softball to us. This is our family. This is, you know, many of you guys' lifeblood that you've been playing the sport your whole life and just really feel for everybody. Now, this was a really difficult um, experience for me because I, I live softball through the world of a microphone and from a booth, but I also live it through the eyes of a daughter who plays collegiate softball. And so we were in the middle of a seven-hour drive down to Tuscaloosa to watch them play at Alabama. 30 minutes from getting there and seeing her, she called and she said, Mom, Dad, we're leaving for the airport. We're not only not playing here at Alabama, but I don't know if we're going to play the rest of the year. And so, Holly, your emotion comes right back. I totally understand how hard it is to lose something that is important to us from the broadcast side, but then to see it through the eyes of my 20-year-old daughter that was heart-wrenching. And so we turned back around, drove seven, well, six and a half hours back home and realized that life was not going to be the same. I hope yeah. you still bought toilet paper at every stop along the way. 
We actually stopped in Alabama and it was already gone. And I thought, oh man, we're in trouble. Well, and in, in some ways you do have to find the humor in some of this just to be able to survive mentally. And you're right. It is heartbreaking. You see the athletes, you talk with the athletes, you talk to the coaches. Uh, I think everybody feels like they've been literally gutted by this. And then um, because of the surreal nature of it, you go back and you think, what was the last really surreal thing that I went through? And then you think, why 2K? And, you know, I start talking with friends that were like, I was hoping my debt was going to disappear when Y2K happened. And, you know, unfortunately I woke up the next day and everything you know, the Y2K, my debt was still there and, you know, things didn't, our computer, computers didn't explode. And, but it, it's the unknown and that's the uncertainty. And, and it's all those things that we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. And that's what is so hard about all of this. And that's what I think everybody is trying to wrap their, their brain around is the loss of softball, the loss of so many things that we know in our everyday life that we're now having to adjust to. Um, and, and that's the scary part of all of this. Well, and I, I think, too, um, you know, in the tough times when you think back of the housing bubble and, and, you know, your portfolios were in big trouble and your savings and perhaps your home, you you think back to 9-11 and, uh, you know, the, the, that dark day and the days after, you, you think back to all all the problems that you faced and, and Holly, your, your fight with cancer. And there was always sports to turn to, and that's what makes this – yeah. Uh, so unique in, in all of our lifetimes. I mean, even 9-11, you knew the games would start again soon. And, and there was that was what we were looking forward to. That was the hope. That was the diversion. And and that's what makes this so unique and so different is we, we may we may be sitting in our houses for quite some time and, and there there won't be sports to watch on TV. And and that's what makes it so difficult. I, I, I was trying to remember. Uh, the last time in, in my life that I was not home preparing for the next game. Uh, that, that's what we do. That's what we're always doing all year long. And sit down at my desk to pass the time while we're waiting for the next bit of news to come out. And I literally don't, I, I don't need to make an Alabama game board today. I, I don't need to make a Team USA game board to, to get ready for the end of the month. Um, the uncertainty of that is is what has me shaken. And, and one of the things that we love so much about the road to the Women's College World Series, this would have been the 39th Women's College World Series. And, and I, I even take pause when I say would have been. Um, yeah. we, we get to document memories that last these players a lifetime. And it's such a privilege for us to be a part of those moments that – uh, these young, these student athletes will, will miss out on this year. And, and for some of them, um, the, the, the one chance that they would have for others, we certainly hope that they will, they will come back. They, you know, the, the quick response from the NCAA, and we'll talk about it later is a, a lot of student athletes will be able to use an extra year if they so choose to come back. But, um, just real quick, this would have been the 10th anniversary of Megan Langenfeld and UCLA's championship. The 20th anniversary of Oklahoma's first national championship. The 30th anniversary of UCLA's three-peat, the one and only three-peat. And we've had a couple of teams, Florida and Oklahoma, knocking on that door. Um, and, and this is the 30th anniversary of that. So, uh, you know, missed moments and, and, and you try and find 
you know, things from the past that you can reflect on and lean on. And, and I, I think of Shea Knighton's home run a lot. And then I think of Kinsley Washington, a UCLA legacy, you yeah. know, she has eight clap coursing through her veins. Her dad was a football player there and his daughter with history in her hands and bam, single first walk off we've had since 1992. Um, and, and we do get to relish that moment as fans. Uh, I, I guess uh, hopefully that will be able to help us sustain through the summer. Well, I think one of the cool things, too, we're seeing is um, these, these games that are playing over and over right now on ESPN are some of the classic games from the season. And I hope as our ESPN life settles in, and maybe this is a time we can talk to our boss. I don't know if she wants to talk about it yet or not, but um, hopefully that we are getting classic softball games on TV and and rewatching the best of and, and celebrating May and June when we should be watching softball with classic softball. You say classic, though. We're going to have to remind you, Holly, you can't play before 2000. So really, the gems are not available. Just saying. Only because that <laughs> took over. So that's as far back as our archives go. Not that we don't love you people that played before 2000. <laughs> but nobody's ready to see the hairstyles from that era anymore. Oh, come on. And, and as you guys know, I, I do have, I, I, I think I've made the decision. I do have my Women's College World Series Bible, the uh, the annotated history of all of the national championships. So I think maybe on the uh, At Seven Innings podcast uh, Twitter, we might start releasing some of those and maybe we can start some fun conversations. Maybe we can even get a little Debbie Doom out there from 1982. Yeah. I was wondering why you hadn't brought up Debbie Doom yet, because, like, it's a worldwide pandemic. And this is the one time this- when we talk about softball history that you don't bring up Debbie Doom. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my goodness. Come on. What, what are we doing out there, folks? Um, I, I hope that after, you know, some – supercharged moments at grocery stores around the country. I, I hope maybe we're settling in a little bit, but I, I, I know everybody's looking for stuff to watch on television right now. What, what's out there? I think I'm going to rewatch the wire from start to finish. Uh, and I, I was never in on West wing, so I may have to throw that out there to pass the You've time. Never as well. watched West wing. No, no I haven't either. That's, you, Oh my gosh. Don't watch anything else until you start at first episode, start at the beginning and it will make you believe in government and humanity in a time when maybe you don't. So binge, binge beginning. Binge there beginning. You go. Thank, thank goodness. Uh, I also got a lot of bourbon for my wedding this summer. So the bar is well stocked <laughs> to, help, to help get us through if need be. Um, so. And, well, what about, what about reruns? I was going to say, what have you, um, and I know Meg will make fun of me or Jersey Meg, uh, TiVo'd. What have you TiVo'd? What's on your DVR? Um, <laughs> So I'm going back. I have a lot of softball games on my DVR, and I'm like, yes, because I record them to either study or I record them to watch and you know learn and get better myself. So I'm I'm pretty stacked up with some reruns and and that case. You have um, movie on disc, don't you, Smitty? I, I, I also have that. Even still, on Bimo, I'm gonna go back and set my projector up. You know, with the disc. <laughs> <laughs> I have just about every World Series um, on DVDs. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is great. I've got softball. I've got all these DVDs. And then I realized we don't even have DVD players anymore because we just use our Apple TV. So now I'm going to have to go dig out a DVR player, a DVD player from the garage. <laughs> oh. On a uh, 
What about Sandlot baseball? Come on. Just because we can't have big outings does not mean you cannot round up some of those kids in the neighborhood and wiffle throw a little game. wiffle ball. Come on. Let's go. And, and, and on a more, on a more serious note, um, Jenny, what is your, what does your daughter do? What, what are, what are her and her buddies do at this time to, you know, keep the game in their hearts and, and keep improving? You know, I think it's unique to every university. Some schools have closed the doors and closed the gyms and closed the ability to train. Others have left them open for small groups. So she right now, they're working out in small groups. Um, but there's a lot of schools that have closed the doors to the gyms and they are just having to figure out how to train on their own. So just unique circumstances for everybody around the country. But the thing that's neat is nobody's giving up. Nobody's just thrown in the towel. There's always hope. There's always an opportunity to improve and get better. Sometimes rest is what the doctor asks for. And right now, everybody's getting a lot of it. Uh, right now, I think a lot of the student athletes want to hear from moms and dads and, and coaches. We'll, we'll shift towards the coaching side. And I know, Michelle, you had an interesting encounter. Maybe you can set up your, your interview. You ran into um, Indiana out on the road, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. They were in Madera Beach um, uh, playing in a big tournament down here, and I uh, got the call from Coach Stanton and had the uh, opportunity to meet her team and talk to uh, her senior athletes and as well as her. And uh, Coach Stanton is a class act. That entire program is uh, all their coaches, and it was really wonderful to be able to talk with them in this uh, time of need. All right, um, Coach, want to have a uh, couple of words on the uh, most surreal thing that is – probably happened in my life I, I don't know about yours can you give me a little bit of uh, perspective on how you're feeling and, and the team sure as a coach it's it's hard to put into words you know what has occurred over the last couple days but I you know I tell you I think our kids understand the impact globally what's going on and I think we've put away our selfishness and come together um, and I first want to thank you, uh, you, Michelle, this has been unbelievable uh, for our student athletes to sit here as young women and to see an icon like you that they've grown up watching and seeing on TV, uh, to be able to come to your place tonight and see what a strong, empowering person you are. Uh, and then Lori, too, just opening it up and just making things happen. And we had an opportunity tonight when everything was so abruptly stopped around the world for us to come together and celebrate our young women. These 23 student athletes who really felt like devastated 24 hours ago were so uplifted tonight and empowered tonight because you opened your home here, this venue, the West Events. It's amazing. If you're ever in Madeira Beach, you got to rent it out. If you're looking for a wedding spot, come and do it. Um, but this is what's special about the softball community. It's all about people. Um, and so I thank you for just this awesome time that our kids now can have this moment that becomes a memory of what was one of their worst days of their life 24 hours ago because they're young people, right? right? And haven't had the tragedy of the world um, to be able to now have one of the best moments of their life to be able to celebrate. So thank you for this time. The West events, it's been a great night tonight. Thank you. Thank you. And um, maybe explain a little bit how difficult it was for you yesterday to basically deliver the news especially to the seniors your your five seniors on this team um how difficult was that for you and maybe a little bit about what they were going through uh, hearing this 
Yeah, I mean, it was shocking. We kind of knew we'd been following things. I thought we'd get through March Madness and then maybe our season would be over. So I think as a coach, you're planning ahead. You kind of know what's to expect. So you're a little bit more mentally prepared. These young people were never prepared for that. And so when the game was over, Skeeter uh, had met us, who had her program dropped at Eastern Michigan. So the irony of that, someone who had something cut short abruptly, and look what she's still doing. You know what? You don't complain, you move. And she did. She moved, and she's running tournaments down here eight weeks out of the year. Um, that was empowering to see, to have her present the news to us about what was released by the Big Ten and what was released by the NCAA because we were playing. We were in the middle of the game. So we walk off the field. We let the parents know that we were going to go ahead and talk to their young women, their daughters, and that they were going to need their support. As I was walking over to our team, I think they knew. You started to see the tears in their eyes. Um, and you know what? It reminded me of times where I've lost players. You know, I've lost two players tragically, uh, one in a car accident, one died by suicide. And when you have to deliver that news to your team, um, gosh, it's awful. And I tell you, I heard the same type of cries and wailing that I did in those moments. And it's because, you know what? They are grieving something that they've lost a season. What I'm proud of is you flash forward 24 hours later, and they understand the global impact of this thing. Um, and now they are trying to be leaders, and they're trying to shine bright. They've been very mindful about the things that they're tweeting, the things that they're saying to each other. They've been celebrating each other. They're choosing the wave of emotion that they're going to ride. They know you're going to be hit by all kinds of emotions, but you have a choice which emotion you're going to ride. And I'm proud that they're taking the higher road, and they're not getting too down. They're not getting too hopeful, but they are hopeful that the NCAA will come alongside. But there's, there's a day and a time for that, to adjust that. But right now, all we did is what's important now, we win the day. What was important now is that we had an opportunity to celebrate our five seniors, and we got to do that tonight. Uh, and that's how we operate. Uh, and so our, our young women are learning about life. And when they leave our program at Indiana, just like women all across the country and other athletes and other sports across the country are going to do, um, you move on. And, and you wake up every single day and you do the toe test. When your toes hit the floor, you know you're alive and well and you can attack the day. And that's what we did today. You know what we're going to do tomorrow? We're going to enjoy the beach. And we're going to get sunburnt. So all get out, and then we're going to head back to Bloomington. And you know what? They're going to be leaving, probably town. You know, schools are shutting down. They're going to online classes. And so we're going to focus on the things that we have, not the things that we cannot do right now. And I, I'm, I'm proud of our players because that's what they're doing tonight. Tonight was a wonderful night. Well, thank you. We appreciate your time, and uh, best of luck. And we'll, hopefully all of us will be back on the field. Thank you. And, Smitty, what, were, what was it like uh, just spending some time with the players that were there as well? What was their mood? Well, this coaching staff was incredible for them to be able to pull this together in less than 24 hours to basically have what they called at the time a senior banquet because the NCAA had not announced yet that there's potential for extra eligibility. So every one of these seniors thought that their careers were over and every one of those five, five of them on the team for Indiana just devastated. They gave speeches, just heartfelt, lots of tears. Um, the entire team, lots of tears. Parents were on it. Um, but this coaching staff, I think the message is, as we've talked, is about hope. It's about leadership. It's about we're going to get through this. We're a family. Let's stay together. There's a lot of unknowns and let's keep, um, keep together moving forward and know that we're going to get through this. But, uh, after, after toward the later part of the evening, some of the kids started hearing that there was potentially something coming out from the NCAA about an extra year for the spring athletes. There was, again, some hope. And, um, you know, Coach Stanton was just outstanding. I loved being in her presence as well as with the rest of her staff. Mm-hmm. Well, Beth, I, te- I checked. This is Holly. I checked in with a couple of coaches just to see how the news came out and how they handled it with their teams. Lonnie Alameda, they had a team meeting to talk about, you know, it's going to be a two-week shutdown, and here's our plan moving forward. They thought they had a great plan in place. And during the middle of that meeting, 
Anna Shelnut, their great catch, senior catcher, got a text from her mom saying the season's been canceled. And so, you know, this meeting of planning and we thought we had a plan in place quickly um, deteriorated into the seniors crying, everybody crying. And she's like, it was just so surreal how quickly everything ended. It was devastation. It was shock. And she said, then we had to have another team meeting um, a couple of days later to really focus in on, okay, what does this mean for the world and for our community? So we're blessed. Softball is something that we get to do that we're blessed to do, but how can we now move out into the world and be helpful in this time of need? And Patty Gasso from Oklahoma said the exact same thing. She said, we had a meeting. And the first thing I said to my team is this is life. You know, sometimes you are dealt cards that you did not expect. And the most important thing is we're alive. We're healthy. We're living. You need to go home and be with your families. Um, their strength coach has sent out a plan. The Oklahoma campus is one of those that has been locked down. So they actually had an employee on campus with tested positive. So they have locked down the entire campus. But their strength coach sending out little workouts that the teams can do at home with body weight and keeping in shape and make sure that you're keeping softball ready because they don't know what's ahead. So she said, you know, this is a life event. It's life. We are living in history. The best thing we can do is check in with each other and realize softball is a blessing, but life is more important, and that's what we must protect. And Holly, just to follow up on that really quick, I mean, think about what we call our greatest generation, uh, that that group of individuals that had to fight through World War II. The reason we call them our greatest generation is because of all the sacrifices, the number of professional baseball players that actually signed up to go fight in World War II. I mean, this this is our opportunity for our generations to be the greatest generation in the sense of coming together to help save lives. And that's really what this is all about, finding all about finding a way for all of us to work together uh, to get through this for the greater good of the community, for the greater good of the country. My son, well, I don't, a funny, uh, just real quick, my son sent a funny meme that said, you know, the, our, our grandparents' generation was asked to go fight in World War II. Our generation is asked to stay and sit on the couch. I think we can handle that. So everybody stay home. Let's go. <laughs> well, and one of the things that um, Coach Candrea did was he sent out a letter that I think has made its rounds around social media. And the way that he started it out, he said, every once in a while, we are reminded that life outside the white lines matters much more than the game we play inside of them. And so this is just a time to pause and reflect. And the way that he ends it up, he says, be safe and we'll get through this together. The most important thing at this moment is to take care of your family, your friends, and your faith. And I don't think that I could say it any better because those are the things that matter most. Yeah. It's it's a time to look out for one another and uh, take care of one another. And, and really, you know, with the social distancing, uh, figure out new ways to stay in touch and, and better ways to stay in touch with people and, and really cherish all those moments that you have. Beth Mullins, Michelle Smith, Holly Rowe, Jenny Dalton Hill. We're, we, we've got Amanda Scarborough, Kayla Bro, Jen Schroeder also on with us today. We're going to hear from uh, Melissa Palomino Cardoza a little bit later on. We're going to talk about some unresolved issues and some uncertainty. And uh, we'll, we'll share some of our positive messages as well if you're following along on your lineup card at seven innings podcast on your Twitter and your gram. Uh, you know, one of the big things for the players and, and we'll bring in uh, Amanda is, you know, that there are already seniors that are announcing that they will be coming back and using the red shirt that will now be um, a possibility for them. So a, a lot of big names are already set to return, Amanda. Yeah, I know Miranda Ellis came out with a post saying that she'd be back for year five going into 2021 with Texas. 
Uh, Nicole Mendez also came out with the post. She's a senior from Oklahoma who actually is coming off of a torn ACL and she's on team Mexico still waiting to see what is determined with the Olympics. So she, uh, Nicole had also said that she'd be coming back for the 2021 season. Of course, I'm sure that's dependent on when the Olympics happen, if they're postponed and all the other unresolved issues that we have going on with that. Uh, but I, I think um, that's what comes to mind of when we were hearing all this news for the players. It's just a roller coaster because we heard so many different things so quickly. Um, the season suspended some, uh, some like the Ivy League and the Patriot League. They said well before everybody else that the entire season was canceled. And some teams had practice scheduled for three or four days after the news came out that the World Series was canceled. So it was just all so confusing. I can't imagine what it was like to have been particularly a senior, but just any player in the team trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And should I cry? Should I get excited? Should I hold out hope? I mean, just so many emotions in such a short amount of time. Yeah, Amanda, I think of Alyssa Palomina Cordoza, who, of course, we're going to hear from later, but this isn't just a fourth-year senior. This is a fifth-year senior who's already had two knee surgeries, whose body is breaking down and she's trying to figure out if she even can go another year because she's really mustered up everything that it took to get her through this season. She hopped on a plane headed home immediately anticipating practice Monday and then found out the news at home and had no idea if she was going to play again. We'll hear her decision in a little bit, but I think of players like her and, and Genevieve Perez who just put her life on hold as a mom and comes back for a sixth year is getting her master's degree. And she did decide she will be playing again. So it's great news, but she's going to be a seventh year. So not just for these fourth years, but these girls who are just putting their lives on hold to play the sport that they love. It's incredible to me. Yeah, Jen, this is Kayla. I think it's going to be interesting to navigate in the next few weeks for a lot of these seniors, just because there's so many other uncontrollables in their situations. Do I have an internship next year already set up? Do I have to go to graduate school? Do I already have my degree and have no choice? Like I have to get out or I have to either put in a lot more money to stay in and stay in school. And it was really cool. I think uh, something that put it in perspective for me was a tweet from Alex Martins from Kentucky. And she said, I'm so happy for all those that will get to use this extra year and continue playing the sport that they love their whole life. Some seniors like myself and my teammates will not. And my heart hurts for those who will not get the closure that is needed during this time in our lives. So it's not going to be easy. These players are going to have to decide. However, I believe that the NCAA did the right thing, letting them at least have the opportunity and, and get to follow their dreams and, and keep living the dream. Like you said, no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, then if they make that choice, it is fantastic that they get the opportunity to do it. But I have so many questions for the NCAA. I mean, okay, they make the choice to stay, but how does that impact the te- the future teams? And not just girls that have signed their letters of intent, but commits the number of scholarships offered to every team. I think the transfer portal is going to go crazy because now these girls who potentially would have been starters won't be starters for another year. I mean, there's just so much to think about and so much unknown. Well, and Jen, uh, with that, you think about the number of players that might be on a roster and maybe I'm just going off topic here, but I just, there might be 30 to 35 players on a roster based off of who stays the freshmen that are coming in. So 
just imagine managing that as a player, understanding your role. And like, it is like, am I still going to have a starting position if I was a senior, but there's a really good freshman coming in and how do I manage that? If I was a three or four year starter as a senior, but there's a great freshman and I'm picked out of my spot. What kind of teammate am I? How are these coaches going to navigate practice? Just the training room. Like how are the trainers going to handle all of that? The strength room. Like there's so many other things that go into it. And like, yes, I'm so happy that the seniors get their opportunity to finish, but there's so much more under the surface of just, yay, the play, the seniors and everybody else get to play two more months worth of games in the world series. There's a lot of business type stuff that goes on behind that, including huge rosters to be managed. And even travel rosters, right? Because you can have a roster of, say, 30 girls, but if your conference only allows a certain amount of girls to either travel or be in the dugout, how does that impact other players? We just, we have no idea yet. And when is that information going to be provided? Are college coaches going to give these current seniors a certain amount of time to make a decision if they're staying or not? it, the domino effect that's going to happen in our sport, and I'm sure other sports as well, is not just going to be felt this year or next year. It's going to be felt for years and years to come. And how the NCAA chooses to manage those things, I'm excited and nervous at the same time to find out because it's going to impact people's lives, not just their softball careers. Well, you, you got a chance to talk to one of those, uh, Shro. Tell us about Alyssa and your conversation with her, and then we'll take a, take a listen. You know, I've known Alyssa personally for a really long time, and her body is just breaking down. She's had two knee surgeries. Her story and testimony is one that is incredibly inspiring to me. And I was communicating with her and Sis Bates at the time of the uncertainty when they canceled the world series and they're texting. Do you know what this means for me? And I had no idea how to mentor these girls. So getting to sit down with Alyssa and really just getting to tap into her thought process of I'm done. This is it to then shifting it to a positive of I'm no longer the grandma on the team. I'm the great grandma on the team. It's interesting to see how quickly thoughts transpire and how a lot of these athletes are immediately becoming extremely positive. And that inspires me as a coach and mentor and analyst. It was a really great conversation. Here, here you go. Here's uh, uh, Jen Schroeder with uh, the Arizona All-American, Alyssa Palomino Cardoza. All right, Alyssa, walk me through the emotions that you felt the day before you mm-hmm. found out that your season was potentially over. Um, I think it was just hard at first. You know, I have a friend at Princeton who I had talked to, you know, her season was over. Um, I had heard she was crying on the field. So, like, it was kind of hard to go through that. And then, you know, I wake up the next day and... As far as I know, only two weeks are canceled the season. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, we'll resume after that and everything will be okay. And then I'm sitting with my trainer and NCAA cancels postseason. And I think that was the first time where I just kind of broke down and was crying and was like, well, this is my fifth year. And, you know, it just ended pretty much essentially. And I think it was just kind of, hard to grasp and everyone's asking me are you okay are you okay and I'm like I don't know yet you know like I don't really know how to handle this and I have honestly like haven't really kind of grasped it yet but 
it definitely just hard and, you know, understanding and not knowing if there was going to be another year. And, you know, I had played Tuesday, my last game, essentially, you know, in that moment, that's what I was thinking. Like I'm done in an Arizona uniform. So it was kind of hard. What were the thoughts and questions that you were asking yourself? Did you go back to your last at bat? Did you think of the last time you put on the uniform? Like, did you really think in that moment you were done or what questions were running through your mind? Um, I definitely did not think I was done. Um, I went over two, so, <laughs> so I definitely didn't think that was my last game. Um, but yeah, I jumped with the questions of, am I going to have another year? Am I going to be able to play another year? Um, just being able to kind of, break down like what a sixth year could potentially look like and it was just it's just still hard to think of that and know don't know what's coming next so you know just still kind of processing through it and then the ncaa comes out with the announcement that everyone will get another year when you saw that what were you thinking? <laughs> um, a little relieved, like, yes, I get to play in this Arizona uniform again. And still, you know, also thinking it is a sixth year. I have had two knee surgeries, but also knowing that I've been able to push my body through any pain that I've had. Um, so knowing that whatever comes and whatever a sixth year brings, that I'll be able to push through it. Yeah, I know you were texting me and your mom, or we were on the phone, and yeah. your mom was right there, and you were saying, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if my body could do this. And your mom's lecturing you, yeah. like, you are going back. <laughs> so was it her? Was it Tony or your aunt who played? Was it Arizona great? Like, who who really helped you make the decision, and it's kind of your guiding light through all this? Um, I think, honestly... All of them, you know, my mom, my grandma, Tony, and then knowing that I could play for coach for another year, play for Kate, and then, you know, my trainer, I always joke with him, like, he's been my best friend for the last five years and helping me get through those hurdles and those humps, um, but definitely family and coaches and knowing that there's always going to be those people in my corner and knowing that I can get through a six-year with them. Now, looking forward to next year, to your sixth year, maybe you'll get a master's degree. Uh, what are you most looking forward to with the potential of Deja coming back, uh, the potential of having you, Jesse Harper, and her and Raina all in the lineup together again? What are you most looking forward to? Um, I think just finishing with that class that came in, you know, we missed Deja this past year and getting the chance to finish with that class with Deja, you know, with Mariah added on and all of us coming back, I think we're just excited to finish together and, you know, go out with the national championship. Like that's, that's our goal. So you're calling it right now, Arizona 2021 <laughs> national champions. Have you talked to Deja? Did you send her a text saying like, Hey, <laughs> I sent Deja a text because this whole time she said, you just need to get pregnant and come back and get a picture. And I was like, I was like, Deja, we are not <laughs> condoning this. We are, that's, she wanted you to do that. Oh man. Yes. So I sent her a text and I said, well, it looks like we get our year together and I don't have to have a baby for it. And, oh. she, <laughs> and, um, she was excited, but, um, yeah, you know, I've always said, you know, God works wonders. And I think, you know, this is just another opportunity for us and we're excited. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. One of the things that has the potential to be really exciting next year is with seniors coming back and with stud freshmen coming in, we could see incredible depth in pitching staffs. We could see incredible depth 
at the plate. We could see catchers stay much healthier if they're only playing 40 games behind the dish instead of 70. We could see injuries to players that we thought might be done for the entire season this year coming back healthy. There, There is a lot of, as we move down our lineup card, a lot of uncertainty and a lot of things still unresolved as we try and tie up the end of this season and move into the next. I mean, what's going to happen with the records this year? Are coaches going to get credited with wins? Will pitchers get credited with wins? Where is the home run chase right now for Jesse Harper? Are we going to count all those home runs? Or do we go back to the start of the season? If As, as the way things are right now, Mike Candre is the career wins leader. But if we go back to the start of the season, it's back to Carol Hutchins as the career win, wins leader. So there are a lot of loose ends still to be figured out, I think, by the NCAA. And I'm assuming a lot of the coaches, uh, through their committees and such, will also have a say into what, what we do with this truncated season. Yeah, Kayla and Amanda, I specifically look at two players, Bailey Vick and Alex Martins from Kentucky, who were both seniors in the top 10 batting average, Vic hitting 556, Alex Martins hitting 507, and they both have said they're not coming back to play next year. So let's say Jesse Harper, for example, her home runs get scratched. Does that mean that these seniors who won't come back for another year, that these batting averages get scratched? How does the NCAA manage that? Are there asterisks next to certain players' stats? Do they half count, but not count towards career. uh, What's the right decision here, guys? I think my head might explode thinking (laughs) about all of this. Truly. I mean, there's so many different things that affect like so much more of the game than you can even process right now. So I hope when you look at the NCAA or the governing body, that's going to decide all this. I hope they just, you know, take a deep breath and, you know, let this settle in for a second because there's so many big decisions that have to be made moving forward. But I mean, I look at it too. And I think beyond, yes, there's going to be some really weird questions, but the opportunity for some of these teams next year, we talked about, you know, the rosters. And I think about the inner team competition that you could get and how good some of these loaded staff members are going to be and pitching staffs. If you had a senior that was about to graduate, for example, and you get a stud freshman recruit, now all of a sudden you're loaded. I mean, it's going to be dangerous for some of these teams. So, yeah, stats are crazy, but, I mean, man, the possibility for next year is unbelievable, Amanda. It's just going to be so hard to keep everybody happy. I know that we can get really excited, think about the depth and the circle and at the plate, but at the end of the day, team culture ends up winning so many national championships. To have a team that gets along, that believes in each other, that um, is, uh, is genuinely happy to see each other succeed. And so when you have players who probably in any other year would be everyday starters who are sitting the bench, what kind of friction is that going to cause and how is a coach going to be able to handle that? Um, I think, too, in, in terms of Beth, the stats counting, from my understanding, when uh, and you guys, I could be wrong here. I pulled some SIDs and, and asked them if, if the stats would count or not in a regular redshirt year. From my understanding, from what they told me, stats would count in a regular redshirt year. So how do you say that this year is different? Have they played more games than what a regular redshirt year would have played? Because I'm, I'm not up to date on the rules and the exact you know cutoff for a regular redshirt if you got injured or something. But I think the stats would count. Um, 
So, but does that make it fair for the home run record that Jesse Harper is chasing? I mean, there's just so many things and so much depth. Jenny, does Jesse Harper get a 26 game jump on this home run record? Jenny Dalton Hill, I need to know your answer. Well, here's the thing. Right now she's frozen in time and we are frozen together at 76. So we may be number 12, but we're there together for at least another year, right? But more than anything, it takes me back to 1995 when I think about UCLA. They win the national championship over Arizona but then go back and have it rescinded because of rules violations. So their name does sit in the record book as winning in 95, but it does have an asterisk, like you were saying, Jen. So I think that these numbers need to count. They were played in regular competition. These athletes took this seriously. It was not played under duress or anything like that. So these numbers need to count. However, there does definitely need to be an asterisk beside those records because they are getting an additional 26 games. I got a question for you, Jenny. How many games did you play when you were at Arizona? Like what was the length of your season? We played about 60 to 70 games and that's taking it to the end. So um, we didn't have a championship series. There was no super regionals. So you went to regionals and then straight to the world series played it to the end. But so you would think that they have additional games now, but it, our seasons typically were about the same amount of time. But Beth, Beth, what do you, and Jen and Kayla, what do we think about Missouri? What's going to happen with Mizzou, who wasn't going to be able to compete in the postseason this year? Is this year going to count for them? Or are they going to be postseason eligible and ready next year? Like, what's that going to, what's going to happen with that? They better so, be postseason <laughs> Eligible. See, and, and Kayla, I don't know because if, if the sanction was they cannot compete in the postseason and they didn't get the chance, there was no postseason, then I don't, I don't know. I feel like global pandemic kind of trumps like everything <laughs> at this point. <laughs> hey, like, let's give this a, this is a pass. Like, this is a once in a lifetime scenario. Like, let's go. Yeah. I, I would like to think the NCAA would say, okay, that, that's enough that they're going to miss out on the tournament this year. And, and hopefully they will be able to come back next year. I, I think that that would be certainly more than enough, especially in the eyes of, of the Missouri fans who, uh, you know, aren't sure that they should are, are absolutely positive that they should not be missing out anyways. But, uh, you know, some interesting things that, that we'll have to keep an eye on and take care of over the, the course of the next few months and, and into over the summer and, you know, it's still still not out of the realm of possibility that there might be um, some softball if things change dramatically. But I, I, I got to believe that the the doctors and the scientists are, are right on this, and that things are, are going to get worse before they get better. And we probably will not be playing softball again until uh, next year at the earliest. Um, but we want to want to bring the whole gang back in: uh, Beth Mullins, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Jenny Dalton Hill, Amanda Scarborough, uh, Caleb Bro, Jen Schroeder. We've got Buzz, we've got uh, J-Mac, we've got Vegas Vicky and Jersey Meg. And Smitty, I think you're going to start us out with the shagging stat that you have. And then Kayla's got one too. Yeah, BMO. So um, the shagging stat that I want to share is that in 2020, the NCAA softball season, we had 36 days of softball. Um, obviously much shorter than what we're used to, but that's where we're at. We, we had 36 days of softball in 2020. Yeah, my stat was that 
you know, give or take, depending on when the season starts next year, you have about 329 days until college softball from the time that it was announced that it was going to be canceled for the rest of the season until the opening day of next year. You have about 329 days without it. Do we have a statistics, Mitty, on on how the Olympics are looking? And do you have any inside information for us at this point? I know the Stand Beside Her Tour is you know, they, they've uh, canceled the next several dates coming up. I would imagine yeah. there are more in the hopper. Right. So right now, all of the um, lead-ups to the Olympics, all the qualifying have been delayed, pushed back. Um, the Olympics are still not canceled at this point, which actually when I was researching that and, and it gave me hope, you know. So uh, you have to remember, things are getting better in Asia, okay. We're we're on the side of it that we're still, we're climbing up, right. Things are probably, as you mentioned, Beth, going to get a little bit worse before they get better. Asia's on the, on the side of already getting better. So I think it's going to be a wait and see type of um, format here now to see how things are two weeks from now, a month from now, two months from now. What What does it look like? at the end of May. And then I think then they're really going to have to start making decisions on what the, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics look like. But for right yeah. now, I believe they're on from last so I heard. The question I have is it's not just how things are in Asia. Are you going to really bring in a delegation from Italy right now? Or right. bring a delegation that the, the, you know, the time of exposure is different. And then how in the world are these athletes going to be training? You know, you train so specifically so that you're peaking at the right time. So now you're in training limbo. Um, You know, I know swimmers are tapering and all all kinds of things. So I just feel like this is a, I think the Olympics are in jeopardy if you look at it from like a really practical standpoint. Yeah, and no, and, and I agree with that, Holly, but you have to remember a couple of things about the Olympics. You're never competing in your perfect scenario. I mean, look at what happened in Sochi in the Winter Olympics. I mean, that basically was a Winter Olympic Games where the snow was like mashed potatoes. So um, some of the best snowboarders that you thought were going to win had a horrible time trying to deal with the conditions. There's so many times as athletes that, yes, things do not go right. I lived in Japan for 16 years. I know how that country operates when there was the swine flu, when there was um, bird flu, when there were all these sorts of epidemics. When you walked through these international terminals, they had heat monitoring. They would take a they, they had sensors that would read your body heat. And if you're, it looked like you had a fever, you were escorted off to one side, um, before you were allowed into the country. So, so I'm sure there will be measures. I'm sure there will be tests given and that you will have to prove that you are not, um, you know, carrying the coronavirus. Uh, I'm sure that there will be a lot of asterisks and things and protocol to go through before those games happen. But at this point, um, I think that they're trying to develop all that to see what they can do. Does that mean that, that the games are pushed back from July to maybe, uh, you know, September, October? I'm sure those are possibilities as well, but every athlete is going to have to adjust uh, and probably go through those same protocols. All right, ladies. Um, it's been a uh... It's been good to spend some time with you guys. I've missed you all. Can we add on a happy note? Can we end yes. on a happy note? Yes. Can everybody Please. go around and say your favorite memory from this college softball season, even though it was a short one, 36 days, at least we had one. Can everybody go around and say your favorite memory? I, I can start if you guys need time to think about yours. Go ahead. Okay. I want to start with, we were at the St. Pete Elite Clearwater Invitational, St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. One of these days I'm going to get that name right. And uh, UCLA was playing in the primetime game, and Genevieve Perez 
the UCLA player who came back after 18 months away from playing, um, hit a home run, got her first college hit. Her whole tournament was so special. But I just remember doing a post-game interview with her and just getting all choked up because she said, you know, I'm thinking of my son. I'm thinking of my little boy, and I'm trying to make our life better. And every time she'd get up to bat um, and do something special, she was thinking of her son. So my favorite memory of this college softball season was Genevieve Perez of UCLA. I'll echo a UCLA thought just because I think everyone in the softball world didn't think that they were going to be good without Bubba Nichols and Rachel Garcia and everyone doubted them. And I'm just so proud to be a Bruin and to see how they came together and created a culture and specifically how players like Aaliyah Jordan, who were always extremely talented, but maybe not the face of a program emerged to create their own community within UCLA's culture. And I'm just so proud to be a Bruin. Uh, I actually, sorry about that. I actually think of our last game together uh, whenever we were in Gainesville. And even though it was Auburn, Florida, just a blowout to be up in the booth and a bird's eye view and just sit and look at the crowd all around the entire outfield, just fans, beautiful day. Like that's my lasting impression of like a softball game of being in a softball atmosphere is just seeing so many happy softball players, so many happy softball fans taking in a game where it was like 3000 people there and truly understanding and seeing how much love is for a sport. Yeah, Amanda, that was a special um, moment for sure. Um, I'm going to go back to the um, St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational uh, and running into Lani Alameda before the uh, game. And she had a young team and uh, was talking about how this was going to be a big challenge for her. But basically having that conversation with her with a ton of fans around us, just the exposure of everybody being intimate and together. That's one of the things I love about our sport is that, that we have access to coaches and to players and um, just everybody together. So to me, I, I remember that as a very special moment in this short season. Michelle, I'll go back to uh, my last game. I got to give credit to the Texas A&M Aggies, Amanda's Aggies, because uh, they were playing Kentucky and they were down by like eight runs. She's doing the giggum sign, by the way, I think. Oh, that's a poop, Kayla. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, but we uh, interviewed Coach Joe Evans in the fourth inning and she just said, you know, they're down by eight runs. I just want my team to fight. I just want them to not give up. And they ended up in that game. They got out of the run rule situation. They came back. They came within one run. And one of the coolest moments of that game was uh, freshman Kendall Murray got up with the bases loaded, hit a grand slam as her first (laughs) collegiate hit of the season. I mean, amazing. So those little moments in these three-game series in the course of even this short season just matter so much and give me goosebumps when I think about the passion that these young women play with. And my last game that I called was um, at Missouri, and it makes my favorite moment, honestly, of the season so far, or unfortunately this season, is (laughs) Kayla Kessinger. A comeback story that just infuses so much hope. And I think that's where I see next year in the sense that she was out for an entire year with um, thoracic outlet syndrome. She had to have surgery. And then right before she was ready to start her 2019 season, she had to have another surgery and had to sit out. And the passion that she brought to the dugout as a red shirt athlete has all exploded into what we saw this year. 
just triples and emotion and passion. And I think what this break gives to every athlete across the country is an opportunity to find that passion and that little eight-year-old girl who took the field for the love of the game. And that's what we're going to see explode on the field when we start up again in a year. Do we have a uh, do we have a special appearance right now from Jersey Meg wants to jump in Jersey what you got for us I just want to add that that my special moment so far this season uh, is one that you guys didn't get to experience yet and one that America has yet to experience and that's on February 24th our lead women's college world series production group Anthony DeMarco Joe Taylor myself Beth Chapel we all went to Oklahoma City to tour the new stadium renovations and the additions that were put on for USA Softball Stadium. And it was a really surreal moment to walk into that venue and see the additional 4,500 seats that they've actually added to the stadium and to talk about and to dream and to think about what our coverage was and is going to be and could be and will be when it finally does happen But to stand there in that stadium on February 24th and to have that moment where we were looking around saying, wow, this is going to be unbelievable. And to know that America is going to have to wait another, you know, whatever Kayla said, 329 days plus 15 weeks of the season to to get to the Women's College World Series in 2021. My moment was standing there and recognizing how much this sport has grown and how big it has become. And just being here today with you guys on this podcast makes me realize what a terrific community softball is and that we can all be here for each other in this time. So keep dreaming, kids, because we're going to get those 15,000 fans in the stands and our ratings are going to be bigger than ever. And the best part about it is that dreams are going to be fulfilled when those young women take the field again. We will crown another champion. We will have brighter days. But just know that softball is not lost or forgotten. We'll be back. But there are bigger things at play here that we all need to take care of each other, including the softball community. So that stadium's coming, and I can't wait to televise from there. Well said, Jersey Meg. Well said. Do you guys want to know where it all started, how it all began? One of my favorite moments is getting to look through the World Series history every year when I bust out my World Series Bible and I go back in time. How about 1982? It was in Omaha, Nebraska. Here you go, Holly Rowe. Here comes some Debbie Doom. Get ready. UCLA (laughs) won the first NCAA crown, defeating Fresno State 2-0 in eight innings. The Bruins went 5-0 during the weekend. Three of their wins were in extra innings, and four of them were won by a single run. Parity is not new to college softball, ladies and gentlemen. Freshman pitcher Debbie Doom won all five games, allowing just one one earned run, striking out 62 in 41 and two-thirds innings. Her strikeout record stood for 24 years, and her single-game total of 20 Ouch, Smitty, over Oklahoma State, I I believe still stands today. In the final, Doom threw a two-hit shutout, striking out 12. Left fielder Gina Vecchione, puppy, puppy. hitting 375. Right fielder Barb Young followed closely with a 350 batting average, the very first NCAA championship in 19. 82. We'll have more of those trips down memory lane for you on uh, upcoming podcasts and on uh, the seven innings podcast Twitter. So 
So there you have it. That's a pretty good show, all things considered, gang, and, and what we're what we're up against right now and 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 what we're looking forward to helping each other through as a family. You know, as a doctor of letters, I couldn't uh, leave us any other way but with a with a poem from William Ernest Henley. You may be familiar with Invictus. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Seven Innings Podcast, your family, your softball family, still here, still standing, still going to help each other get through the tough times with the light at the end of the tunnel. Beth Mullins, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Jenny Dalton Hill, Amanda Scarborough, Caleb Bro, Jen Schroeder, Meg Aronowitz, Buzz Allman, and Jonathan MacDonald. We'll see you soon on the road to the next Women's College World Series.